Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out or I'd pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. <laughs> oh, and that was our very special guest today. Uh, that Carlito. would be Mr. Smith. We're, we're going to call him Mr. Smith on this show. And we're talking uh, building inspector, Mr. Smith. That's what we're talking. I, I wanted to say that that would be our first song from a TV series. I think Is you're that right. right. I think that might be right. I don't know. You guys I would know better than right. me. Yeah. I'd have to look in the archives of the past 77 shows <laughs> and get a better understanding no, I, I of like, that. No, I like the first. Uh, the first are always fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is going to be an interesting... Carlito? This is going to be a crazy podcast. This is, I've been excited about this for weeks, and uh, we, we have a lot of questions for you, Mr. Smith. Right on. And, and obviously, to our listeners, we're calling him Mr. Smith just because uh, he's Mr. Smith. Well, because he's an agent for us. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we have to do a little segment. History with Manny. Here we go. <laughs> what I've got, it's not really building inspection code related or anything like that, but I'm just curious, Mr. Smith, and also Carlito, because you could play along here. Hi. Does anybody know when the very first cordless drill was created and what Ooh. it was created for? Cordless drill. And who the manufacturer was. I'm going to go with Hilti. Nope. <laughs> uh, it was probably uh, Metabo. Nope. Bosch. Nope. Wow. The first F drill was made for space for NASA. No way. 1961. Wow. And it was made by Black & Decker, our friends at Get Stanley DeWalt. Get the hell out of here. Wow. <laughs> that is wicked history. It actually, it, but, but funny enough is to the market... Makita in 78. Okay. To the consumer market. Makita. It's 78. Wow. Okay. So that was. that. Well, first of all, I want to do this. <laughs> Manny, that was amazing. I, I love anything to do with space. That was history with Manny in space. There we space, go. Space, space. So let's get back to Mr. Smith and this uh, podcast all about inspections, building inspections. Okay. This is going to be pretty interesting. Wow. I want to actually open up the show with, I did a shout out on my Manny Mondays and I was asking a bunch of listeners to send me some questions. So I want to go through the questions. I love it. I just want to get right into it. This show is primarily going to be about, we want to educate everybody. Okay. We're all contractors on this side of the row and, and we all meet inspectors every time on our job sites and we all have to do our work and they have to look at our work. So there's no animosity here. It's really about understanding the industry. I think it's important that a lot of contractors want to spend time with the city inspectors to go over new policies or, or new you know, zoning laws. And we don't have that chance because you guys are in and out so fast. Mm -hmm. So this is really exciting. But even more exciting is that we have listeners actually asking questions. This is kind of interacting with them. This, this is, is great. This is a great question. Mm -hmm. So first one up, and we'll just, I'll ask them and we'll discuss them. That's it. Sure. Cameron uh, and his Instagram handle is at Nailhead Carpentry. He asks, why are inspectors so individually biased as to when and where the code is applied? It seems for the most part, most inspectors pick and choose when to apply the code or not based on each contractor's construction techniques. How do you feel about that? Relatively accurate. I think when I go to a site, I, I try and apply the, the building code the best I can, but that you oftentimes see when you get pulled over by a police officer, you don't always get a speeding ticket. So maybe one officer will let you off with a with a warning and another guy will be uh, really hard and give you a, 
a big ticket. Well, this is a good analogy. No, no, and I'm kind of feeling the same way you are. If I was a city inspector, I would be looking at the contractor and his job site. And if I saw a messy job site, someone that wasn't organized, I would address him with more. I would be more serious with him and not allow things to slide because he's not serious enough for his his site. Mm-hmm. That would be important to me. And I and I I think that when an inspector comes to a site. He's looking around and he's paying attention to that business or that contractor. And that's going to really determine what or how he treats you. That's a good question there, Mr. Smith. Do you guys pay attention to how the job site is laid out? That's a separate question from the list here. But is that influencing you on how you enter a job site? Like you mean the messiness? Yeah. How professional is a job site laid out? Yeah, I think it would be difficult not to pay attention to that stuff. If I, I had to look out for my own safety... When I come onto a site, if there's garbage all over the floor, there's no handrails, chances are I might leave and say, hey, clean up the site, call me back later. It does give me an initial impression of the contractor, but I think the work is usually what will speak um, for the contractor more so than the site, but it is something that I take into consideration. You bring up a good point because all the inspectors that I've had come on my job site, they're still conscious and they'll make note of labor ministry of labor infractions so if there is something wrong so if the railing isn't there they'll make a note of it and they'll be like you know technically speaking i shouldn't be allowed to climb these steps because you don't have the proper railing on it and i'm going to speak for you and me right now when i go to your site i'm really impressed every single time before i even get onto the property for the first thing is he'll put two four by four posts in and he'll put a piece of plywood up and it will show exactly the existing and proposed for any neighbor to you know, view or so that they, they don't interrupt the contractors yep. or, or Manny on his site. And that information's all there. So when an, an inspector or a trade comes up, before they even come into the project, they've already have a really good idea of what this project consists of. Two, when I go to a site, I'm, you know, the, the most important part is obviously the, the customer and then the safety of our, our guys. But I'm always worried about when the inspectors the inspector is going to show up and I have a job box I have my fire extinguisher I have my first aid yep. kit and I make sure that he can see that when he walks in because that's going to show him that I care about what he thinks. Sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, the safety and stuff isn't something I enforce, that's a ministry of labor. Are you guys connected? Is it There's no official connection, but a phone call, an email? Yeah. When I come to a site, if I see you guys working on safe and then I leave the site, and that guy falls down and breaks his neck, that puts a bit of liability on me and the, the city I work for. I mean, I don't know if, if it actually comes back, but I, I personally don't want to be there and hear on the news that a house collapsed oh, or something. Yeah, because then so, they're going to investigate everyone along the way. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I have personally called the Ministry of Labor. That's not my first step. I would usually bring it up with the contractor or the guys on the site, say, hey, you, know, you guys, do you know you're working unsafe? So hopefully, it can be resolved there. If not, and they don't want to listen and follow the rules, then I kind of have a bit of a duty to call the Ministry of Labor. Another thing is like, that was a great question. I think that even reflects on contractors. Like when I hire somebody or I have my guys in, the minimum code's there for us to to have as a minimum code, but I never go to minimum code. I always go above and beyond. So why shouldn't an inspector be able to fine tune something or make it safer or better or educate somebody along the way. Well, here's the bottom line is that as a contractor, you shouldn't be offended or get upset or become angry because somebody else that's not on your crew is pointing out something of risk. 
Yeah, that, that's a good point. They're I mean, just, we're having a conversation now. So if I walked in, if I was an inspector and I saw something, if there wasn't safety rails, I'd be like, listen, you really should have some safety rails up there. Yeah. Most inspectors visit the same job site more than once. Yep. Generally speaking, right? There is that lull between the drywall right to the finishing when we want to close out the permit. But before that, there's lots of steps that involve inspection. So they will return and you will have to have all these safety things taken care of. Don't get confrontational with them. There's no reason to get confrontational. No, you should build a rapport with them. They they should be able to know that after a few visits or a few projects of yours, they'll get to know who you are. And maybe they'll be like, you know, I always like that contractor. His framing is amazing. His sights are clean. His guys are good. They're always wearing helmets. And eventually that that rapport makes a relationship. And, you know, then you have a friend. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you can call them and ask them questions. The city's there to help us, right? Yeah. If the site's not safe for me to come, then it shouldn't be safe for your guys. I I, I agree with it 100%. Moving on with the questions. That was an excellent question, by the way. That was Cameron at Nailhead Carpentry. John at Greek Builder, he asks, wants to know about enforcement of plans versus what inspectors decide to see on site. Mm-hmm. Now, I learned from one inspector that told me plans are never approved. Yeah. They're reviewed. That's right. A lot of contractors don't understand that. They don't get it. They think that plans that have been stamped mm-hmm. and sent to you and you can begin the work means that they're approved. That means you can do everything exactly to the letter of those plans. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case, right? No, it's not. I mean, I don't know if it's something that's been litigated in court. Because what's the point of someone looking at the drawings saying, yep, build that, here's your permit, and then uh, me coming to site and saying it's wrong. Having said that, everybody makes mistakes. If somebody approves something on the drawings and I come to site and say, no, no, that's not right, the building code's still the same whether the person doing the plans review said it was okay or not. And I agree with you on that. Also, John's asking two other follow-up questions. He's like you, Carlito. He's getting greedy. I like this guy. I like this guy. Okay, so what happens in the situation where on the plans, there's bat insulation, but then the clients change their mind or maybe a contractor suggests for spray foam. Yes. And now there's an extra, I guess, and now the inspector wants to see that change on the drawings because on the drawings, it's indicated as bat, not spray foam. That's an easy fix, to be honest. All you need is you need someone to sign off from the spray phone company or an engineer or somebody else building uh, energy efficient consulting. They can sign off on that and that letter is given to you guys. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, that's one way. Again, to go back to one of the other questions, there is a bit of everybody's a little different when they do their inspections. If you're going to give me a report and they say, yes, the uh, spray phone is going to be fine instead of bats, I may choose to accept that. A different inspector may say, no, I want to reflect it on the plans, get a revision. The building code acts pretty clear. You're not really supposed to build anything unless you have it on the plans. So that's why sometimes you'll get one guy saying, get a revision, get a revision, get a revision. Or someone else will say, give me a report. It's fine. Ultimately, we're the ones signing off on it. So that's why you, you guys are looking for the paper trail. You're looking for the report, the revision, something that can go into the file. So when the permit is closed, everything is there. And if there's an issue down the road, it's there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a homeowner myself, but I would hate for somebody to buy a home that's new to them, get the plans from the city, open up the walls and be like, oh, this isn't what the plans show. I planned for what the plans showed, right? But even worse, uh, a lot of people don't realize that there are more, there's about three different chemical spray foams and only one of them is actually allowed. There's two that don't get passed by the city and that's what the city's looking for. They're looking for that chemical that doesn't 
off gas or it behaves the way they want it to that passes all the standards. So there are guys selling spray foam that are not up to code. Spray foam is a funny animal because it wasn't too long ago. I think it was like 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, that spray foam wasn't even approved. Mm-hmm. And, and then also the application. We were asked to put six mil poly in front of the spray foam. That was also asked of it certain inspectors, right? And also yeah. put on the drawings. We later found out that was incorrect. You can't have poly in front of a closed cell two pound spray foam. It goes back and forth. And I guess is you have to pick your battles. You have to figure out exactly your wall assembly. I personally will always refer back to a building energy consultant to review this and come up with that and yeah. have that report. And that gets sent off to an inspector. Um, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've had this problem come up many times. Uh, you know, you review it with the homeowner, you try to get that stipulation taken care of right at the beginning. The city inspectors just tell me to call my engineer or get the paperwork and I just send it to the office. It really doesn't slow anything down. You could have it done in the same day. Sometimes it takes a day or two. What's, what's the big deal, right? Yeah. Okay, so John's third question, which is actually a situation that I was in. His third question is about firewall details. Mm-hmm. So the whole double drywall, rock saw, or some sort of fire retardant bat material and resilient channel. How come he's asking why are there certain inspectors that pay attention to some details and some inspectors don't pay to other details? I know when I had to do a proper firewall assembly for a legal basement apartment, mm-hmm. I was surprised to find out... I was running HVAC lines, so the exhaust lines for the stove and for the dryer that belonged to the unit, and I was running them in joist cavities. Now, I had to continue that double drywall inside the joist cavity, mud it, and then let it... Basically, what the inspector taught me, which made a lot of sense, it made a lot more work for me, (laughs) but made a lot of sense. He goes, the moment that you break the firewall and you go into a cavity, you have to continue that same firewall into the cavity. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean... Walls and ceilings, you know, they're dealt with a little differently. What was the original question? <laughs> so, so the other detail, so we know it's double drywall, double um, rated X, right? Five-eighths. Five-eighths yeah. drywall, double, with uh, rock saw in the joist cavities, okay. and then resilient channel. But then also you have to go with sealant, silicone, fire rated for any protrusions regarding uh, wiring that's going through those joist cavities that have Air those movement. lines going through it. Yeah, that's what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, it has to be continuous. I think he asked about why are some inspectors applying. Some say, okay, as long as I see the double, I'm good. Some say that uh, you don't need the resilient channel. Where, I, what exactly is the wall assembly and what it should be? There's a rating, like a f- fire resistance rating you're supposed to meet. So if you go in the building code, it's in volume two. There's SB2 and SB3. Those, those are sections that talk about uh, fire rating and stuff. If you use one of those assemblies, you'll get that rating if it, if it meets the time. But yeah, you do have to continue it. If you're dealing with different inspectors, again, we're all human, right? I mean, you get pulled over by one police officer, you'll get a ticket. No, I Another got one it. won't. Really, it shouldn't be that way. I think they're trying to do their best. There was a situation one time when an inspector would not pass our spray foam, even though we had an engineered sign You're back to spray foam. Well, we're talking about <laughs> insulation and fire code. Okay. And it just happened to be that we were using a fire retardant over top of it. We had a problem with the inspector. He wouldn't play ball with us at all. We felt that in the drawings that were passed, everything was up up to code like we were doing everything that they asked so we called the office and called his supervisor his supervisor rectified it and educated the and the inspector the relationship with the inspector and us wasn't the greatest after that but you know after a while you know they realized that 
you know, they're slowing us down where maybe they shouldn't. And sometimes it takes someone to go outside the circle to educate them too, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I actually like from a lot of the inspectors that I've dealt with is that whenever there was a situation that it's like a he said, he said kind of situation, yep. I like that the inspectors will say, you know what? Let me take a photograph of this. Let me just jot some notes down. Let me speak to other people in the office and I'll get yeah. back to you. I actually like that. I like that and, too. and he actually, they would get back to me. They yeah. would get back to me and they just said, okay, well, this is what we discovered. This is how we were like. And it basically, most times it would be left like, okay, you're doing great. Leave it at that. It's all good. Mm -hmm. But that's what I, and I think that stems from you showing respect from the time that the inspector arrives on site. You meet for the very first time and you, they'll show you the respect back. Yeah, it's about sense. communicating to solve the well, like to solve the situation. It's, it's about being human, yes. and I yes. mean, just because they're the inspector doesn't mean they're any bigger or better than us. It just means that you know you have to respect them and they and build a relationship with them. Really, yeah. yeah. I mean, have you seen the size of these build? Uh, yeah, binders. They're, they're, they're well, waiting which, down. Which my... one? By yeah. the way, he brought like four <laughs> huge binders. <laughs> I mean, so there's two of them, right? There's, there's a lot of information in here. Uh, yeah, I'm human. I do get hired to in enforce this giant binder, but uh, like you mentioned, sometimes I don't know the answer to every question. So if I think something's up, I'll do what you mentioned. I'll take notes, I'll take pictures, say, "Hey, give me a day or two. I'll get back to you, and we'll go from there." I, I got into this job. Uh, you know, I have experience in construction. I don't think I know everything. I'm sure it would be easy to get a blown up head in, in this job, but I try and, you know, play ball with people. Well, yeah, you great. also deal with assholes and sometimes dealing with assholes, you become an asshole yeah. dealing with them. And, and no, well, I'm just saying like, if you got a bad attitude, when you come in there, you're going to end up having a bad attitude and you're going to give them a bad know, attitude, a bad attitude. <laughs> hey, wait, are we still on insulation? <laughs> Speaking of those books, I personally have not gone through both those volumes because it's just, it's riveting information in there, by yeah. the way. Have you gone through both? Have you gone through? Um, I've become qualified in many different areas of the building code. I've gone through most of it. There's different areas that apply to different types of projects. So uh, we didn't mention this yet. I strictly do part nine buildings. The city I work in is it's large enough that we have commercial inspectors and then part nine inspectors. It's funny you bring up part nine. Part nine. Wandel. Wandel. Wantanamera? No. They mentioned the thing about that you can actually build a structure yeah. without an engineer yes. based on part that's nine. That's right. Of course. Oh my God. Great yeah, memory. That's, so that's what uh, parts. Oh. Oops, sorry. <laughs> That's I fine. think it's parts one to 12 in division B. Division B is acceptable solutions. So when you're trying to apply the law, division B is full of acceptable solutions. Those are the options that you can pick that says this size lintel will support that load. I'm giving myself a goal for 2021. I'm going to read those two volumes. I was waiting for you to say that because you had 20 books you want to I'm read this year. I'm at 26. So I'm on 26 right so now. So you're already six past. But... No, what are you talking? I'm at number 26 of the year. Oh, okay. But we're only at the end of May. That's a whole other segue. But okay. And I think you should read it too. Have well, you read it? No. I think everybody that's on a TV rental show should read it. You know what? <laughs> Honestly, uh, this is a great point, And I, I don't know why we didn't reference this before. But, you know, everyone that's in construction should have one of these. Mm -hmm. And everyone should spend the time. If they're so passionate and they love their industry... We all should have read this whole well, book. Legally, you're supposed to have that. Well, what do you mean legally? Who? No, that, that, those two volumes. The OBC, you're, as a contractor, you're supposed to have it with you 
at the job site. Oh, I don't know about that. You're supposed to have your plans on site. Yeah, I've never seen told, that at site well, either. I have, to, I have to buy that. I have to buy that and have a copy for myself. Well, that makes sense. I don't know if it's uh, required, sorry, if it, to be on site. I know the, bu- the building plans are required to be on site. Yeah, the building plans at all time. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I learned a little thing from Mr. Jim Carrick today. Uh, he actually prints his drawings on Mylar paper. Why? Because you'll do a set on paper, and okay. what happens? Coffee stains... Yeah cigarette stains, all kinds of stains. They're outside. They get caught in the rain. They get yeah. wrecked. You as inspectors do not want to look at crumpled up brown paper looking garbage drawings. So he does them on Mylar, pays a pretty penny for them. You know what Mylar is? Basically plastic. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny you say you that. You can leak every, like you could do anything on it and it survives a job. Hmm. I, I have a, a, a good friend of mine, this guy, Adam Graham, and he takes all his paperwork that's given to him by the city and he fo- he puts plastic and gets it laminated, yeah. and he has those prints all the time because a lot of the work he does is uh, repetitious, so those can be referenced to at any point, right? I'm pretty sure somebody at the city planning office somewhere told me that I had to buy these things and I bought these things and I have these things. Man. All right. Well, well uh, I don't know. I don't we know. don't know. They're, I don't know. They're somebody not that there? expensive. If you're in the industry, it makes sense to have them. At least uh, the soft cover. I looked up online uh, publications Ontario. The two binders, those giant guys, they're $195 plus tax. And the soft covers are $175 plus tax. There's another site that sells them. It's called uh, Order Line. They sell the soft cover apparently for $90. So What the? That's, but I don't you, know. You also, you also get a disc with this so that you can download, the, download it onto your phone so you can have well, that app all the time with you, right? Well, so this is the law. This is, this is law, right? This is a... The building code is a regulation under the Building Code Act. Since it's a law, what does that mean? It means you need to have access to it, right? So you can Google the building code and you you can find it online for free. But it's a giant document. Who's going to want to slow down their computer to have this massive document open all the time? Where do you think I get all my building talk from? Uh, building code talk from? Building what? My <laughs> what was the where, first thing where, you said? Where no, do you? No, you're bugging me all the time. So I want to. I want to. Toad, co- toad, toad or coke? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back on track here, man. So this is really fascinating. At Deca Plumbing, he asks the heat recovery stack. Yeah. So this is interesting. This is an interesting one. I, we, we all know the rumors. We all know the little political drive behind this thing. Is this because it's new? Uh, it's it, was, new. it wasn't that new. No, it was brought in how long ago? Five Whoa. years ago? Six years ago? Yeah, but it doesn't mean everybody was using it. I was still in construction when it came into the code, so it's got to be five years at least. It, I, it I officially don't know for came sure. in. I don't know for sure. And, and so he's basically... Uh, <laughs> Let them know the thermal drain is horse shit <laughs> and it doesn't work and homeowners should invest their money in a smart home automatics shutoff valve instead. Yeah. I mean, there's... which I also agree too, by the way, the fin or there's another one. by okay, Equipco. So can we, can we explain this so other people will understand it right now? The heat recovery stack. Let, sure. Let's talk about both of those so that people understand exactly the, the question and the answer. Well, the heat recovery stack is a 48-inch long copper 3-inch diameter pipe with a half-inch copper spiral all the way around side-by-side. Uh, side. On it, your downpipe. On down your downpipe. It's connected off of a drain to a shower. Yeah, and, it can be. Yeah. And it's recirculated to the hot water tank from the location of the heat recovery stack. Yeah, that's a good description. I mean, there's different Basically, products. Yeah. You're, you're describing like a power pipe, which is like Basically. a specific drain water heat recovery unit. I've seen other units where the coils there's they're not there's no coils the parts of the 
pipe go up and down along the... Uh, the well, they trail. go vertical. Yeah, I've seen that. Well, that's a different version. Or at least they look like they go vertical. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I've seen a spiral many times. I've seen times. the spiral ones. So that's yeah, the that's, ones that I've those seen. Those are pretty common. They sell them at the big box stores. They're, that's in the code now. I mean, they seem to think that it saves a lot of energy. I, that's, that's the part that's tricky because you don't see that when you're building. You don't look at the product and say, that's going to save me a lot of energy. If you're saving energy, it doesn't really feel like it's benefiting you. I think it's more of a benefiting us is the idea. I mean, I've got some stats here. I won't rattle them off sure. too much. This was, uh, it's a little old now. So, I mean, you can, you know, change the numbers to reflect the current time. This is a three inch diameter, 42 inch length drain water heat recovery unit, municipality of Clarington. They've done two different tests. They did a computer model and then they did an in-home test. So with the computer model, they say on average, you can save 52 meters cubed of natural gas a year. Now, I have no idea how much gas you use a year. So, I mean, how much gas would that be? I mean, you're, these homes today, they're not gas-guzzling consumption homes. I really, this is just my opinion. Um, well, that's the whole point of I, the show. First of all, I think we're wasting material developing this. I don't, I don't think it's energy efficient enough yet, mm -hmm. and I don't think it will be for a long time. I think it's good for triplexes, sixplexes, twelveplexes, yeah. where there's water continuously running enough yeah. for that copper line to get hot enough to, to, to warm more water up. I think someone along the way is making money off this in the in in, in the uh, parliament in the parliament. I think it's a friend of a friend that's invested. Um, Could be. I don't know. I mean, these numbers, like I said, they're a little old. They're from 2016. Um, in this example, you get your money back in 32 years when <laughs> 2.8 people live in the house, and when 3.3 people live in the house, you get your money back in 27 years. So like why said, are you not laughing? 32 I, I think it's years ridiculous. or 27 years. You know what? I it, what the, the unit's like 350 bucks. If I'm no, not wrong. no, the whole to install it could be anywhere from a thousand to fifteen. I know, but the actual piece itself is like about 350 uh, bucks. They vary in price. There's yeah. there's ones that are more energy efficient than the minimum requirements. I think so. That's uh, a fair estimate. How, how about this? Why don't we put a turbine in there, <laughs> and the turbine will actually create more RPMs, and you can heat a coil around the water tank. <laughs> what happens to all your? Uh, <laughs> your solid waste that, that's going to hit this turbine. Uh, we'll put a mulcher in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hire you to clean mine, okay? Moving along now. <laughs> uh, funny enough is our Wait, last... wait, wait a second. Why? He, he said he had a, a, a fix for that. And the fix was... Who said? The, the gentleman that uh, mentioned that. Oh, sorry. So, yeah. So, he's also offering up... Are you familiar with the... They're not code, though. So what they are is they're automatic, they're smart home automatic shutoffs. Yeah, I've heard so, of them. Finn. Yeah, yeah. Finn. Yeah, Finn yeah. is the one that's kind of leading. I know that the other brands, they have their version. Basically, it's a unit that gets attached to your supply from entry into the house. And if it detects a shift in the pressure of the line, yeah. it means to the computer there's a leak somewhere. Yeah. And so it shuts off the water source from coming into the house. I agree with him that those, I think, should be code. I mean, it seems like a good uh, good use, but I, again, that's going to more than likely benefit the actual owner than everybody by saving energy. I think that's the idea behind the drain water heat recovery units, but I mean, given that it's going to take you 30 or 25 years to pay it back, that it's obviously not going to benefit your clients no. as much as it will benefit everyone. That gets into the realm of geothermal. That gets into the realm of yeah. solar panels on the roof. That gets into a lot of things. Well, man. maybe it's bragging rights. Like, hey, come look at my stack. 
<laughs> you don't uh, see it. It's how about this, in the though, Mr. Smith? How about we put the turbine on the water intake coming into the house? Now it's pumping clean water in, uh, and there's more more it's cold. You want hot water? I, I know, but I'm talking about the turbine spinning will create uh, more. Moving heat. on, <laughs> you should put a turbine on your car too, right? I, I have a turbo. <laughs> our last guest on our last show were engineers, and yeah. uh, at Weldell underscore engineering asks. The question we all get all the time from contractors and clients, if the project is engineered and the inspector just says provide engineer letter when on site, yep. why do we need to have a building inspector there? Ooh, good question. To, a little, little bit of a great jab. question. A little bit of a jab, huh? Well, I have bills to pay. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, you know what? I can't wait to hear what you say. <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Smith. All right, sure. The answer is the government doesn't allow that. The legislation says that the municipalities or uh, I guess the counties, they're the ones responsible for enforcing the Building Code Act, um, not engineers and architects. In fact, this year there was quite a bit of talk about having private inspectors essentially, so engineers or architects being able to pass larger projects. Really? Yeah, it's not something that's gone through. I can see that being very expensive. Well, I mean, what does an engineer cost to come to your site and give you drawings? Anywhere from three fifty to five fifty, just for site visit. Five hundred all yeah. day, just for site visit. So, I mean, what and what are your permit fees for that same house? Those fees, I'm sure, would drop. Uh, if rental came... anywhere from a thousand bucks to eight thousand yeah. for yeah. new build. You know what? Though? I don't have a problem with this. First of all, with which part? Uh, first of all, I don't trust all engineers. I don't trust all contractors, mm -hmm. and I don't trust all homeowners. So, <laughs> who all, do you trust? All three of those are part of the construction build. We need to have policing in some way to make sure that we're doing what we say we're doing or what's written down. Well, what is, Mr. Smith, you tell us, what is the primary objective behind obtaining a building permit? Well, that's, actually, that's so that they can buy a cottage. No, no, no. I thought it was, I, I can't remember exactly where I read it, if it was on the website or something like that. It's really about building a safe structure. Something about making sure that we build a safe and sound structure. Yeah, I mean, if you look, there's a section of functions and there's a section of objectives of the building code. When you look in there, it it's mostly talks about safety, right? So if you look at a house, I think you've mentioned you live in a house that's 140 years old. Oh, he's a listener. I oh. love it. <laughs> I've listened to a couple. <laughs> Thank God um, I didn't give my address. <laughs> so back then, there's no building code. They built what they thought was strong. And I still see it today. Someone builds a landing and it looks pretty weird to me. And some guy comes and jumps on the landing and tells me, oh, it's fine. And I was like, well, that's... Oh, he did the jump test. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have to... When he does the jump test, I got to bring my scale to the site <laughs> to make sure he's heavy enough. It just, it's a big pain in the butt. Yeah, the building code's there to ensure the safety and the health of uh, our citizens, right? We're all in this together. No, but that's just why I that, think it's important. Just about that landing, I went and I saw a job yesterday mm -hmm. uh, in London and the gentleman says, let's go through the back door. And I'm like, okay, cool. The first thing I see is that the pitch is not going away from the house. It's going into the house and it's a block foundation. I can see all the block cracked. And I'm like, I'm like, buddy, you got to bust all that concrete up or you're going to have to pour another slab on top of that mm -hmm. just to get the grade back away from the house. So you're right. People just aren't doing the right job. Yeah. I mean, it, it does come up for sure. It's got to get policed. Yeah, I mean... To protect the homeowner and, and the investment. And it's not to say that engineers or architects couldn't do that, but that's just not what's allowed currently. So you're talking about construction police. <laughs> no, I, I, I really... I know. I just, I just really believe that I, you can't trust any of these guys. Um, I have a funny feeling Carlito's going to be the first cadet. 
<laughs> Moving on. I was John from at Stone Throw, Stone's Throw Construction, our former guest. Yeah, ours. I love him. Let's see what he asks. I'd love to hear how he deals with all the cowboys out there. The best of the worst contractors that give the industry a bad name. Ooh, mm-hmm. yes. How do you handle that situation? We talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah. When you walk onto the site where um, I guess it's like putting the lights on and the cockroaches all scatter, everybody takes <laughs> off. With no with no helmets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wrong inspector. Yeah. But uh, so how like are there a lot of cowboys out there? Um, there are here and there, but the problem is those guys aren't always doing work where they get permits, so I don't always interact with them. Um, I've seen guys on site that uh, I have, you know, not a good opinion of, but uh, they're not uh, they're not around too much. They, they don't get permits, Got so it. they don't want to pay for the permits. They just want to get cash, perhaps. And uh, yeah, I don't see them too much. They don't why, they don't want to interact with me either, right? What so, are yeah. your thoughts on that? The whole cash industry versus the legit industry, where you know we've got a lot of overhead and we're dealing with yeah. clients that are constantly at our throats about you're too expensive you're just too expensive i can find a guy i can do it for half the price yeah i don't know the industry is it's a weird uh, beast right like you get people in here all the time who they think uh, the job should only cost you know ten thousand dollars and you tell them it's 15 they don't realize that you got to pay wsib you got to pay gst you have you have tons of overhead the cash thing i don't know i mean those guys are trying to make money too it's not fair because the rules are the way they are and everybody should follow them but uh, usually the people who don't follow the rules are doing it because they don't want to. I would love to make a note on that What's or that? Uh, at least make a comment. The Cowboys don't care about the homeowners. They don't care about the homeowners biggest investment, which is their home. And they don't care about their safety of the homeowners saying that the Cowboys just want to get the money, get in and out. But what they don't realize is that the homeowners left with, if there is a fire, water damage or something that doesn't, didn't have a permit if you have a mortgage your your bank will take your home away for you from you for not having that permit so if you do have a fire now you're fully responsible for it because you didn't do it right and that just comes back down to the cowboys the cowboys that you're hiring that are doing it doesn't matter if you're doing cash it doesn't mean you have to be a cowboy doing cash it just means that you should always pull a permit to protect the homeowner and yourself yeah I, I mean, you don't Captain. always need a permit for every bit of construction, right? Somebody can go in and trim a whole house and you don't need a permit. I mean, and somebody might consider them a cowboy if they do a, you know, half-ass job. But the things, uh, the job sites that I go to, I don't see it too much because I guess they're not getting permits. Well, they're permitted, they're engineered, they're all going through the regular. No, but I've done lots of remove and replaces without permits. Doesn't make me a cowboy. No, no, it, no. It just, true. You just need to know when and when not to. Like yeah, when someone exactly. says, "Hey, can you put a pocket beam in?" I'll say, "Yeah, sure. We'll apply for a permit. It might be like two months." And they're like, "Oh, don't worry about the permit." I'm like, "It's not. I'm not the guy." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yes. At Jim Carrick, funny enough, he yeah. asked me to ask you this question. Uh-oh. This is a new one on, on the list. There. Do you, he asked, <laughs> "Do you think inspectors should do a co-op or spend some time?" with contractors on site before actually starting to be an inspector? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. Uh, it's hard to enforce that. I mean, you've well, got sorry. some history, like, so you've got some construction history. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I mean, we can talk about that more after. Um, it, it makes sense. I mean, you have somebody coming in here with all the book, uh, book knowledge and they don't know the on-site uh, dilemmas. Uh, it makes sense, but it's very hard to enforce that. I mean, somebody's got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, you can't always uh, start with experience. You got to get experience somehow. But, I mean, it's a good idea. I just don't know how you would enforce it. 
get the city to pay for it. But it's funny that you have two entities here. You've got the contractors that have the on-site experience and not the book knowledge. And then you've got the inspectors that have the book knowledge, but not so much the on-site experience yeah. in the beginnings. Yeah. Right? And I mean, and that's, that's why we should be working together. Yeah. I love I, that idea. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. I've gone to some sites and people aren't super excited to see me. I've gone to other sites and they're so happy to see me. They say, Hey, I love having you here. You're an extra set of eyes to catch things that I miss. That's, that's, that's a great exactly way to look it. When I'm selling a permit to a homeowner, I always tell them that the inspector is always on the homeowner's side and it's in, it's in their best interest to, to have somebody backing them up because they can't trust that contractor. Like if I'm the contractor, they can't just put all their trust into me. Yeah. Someone needs to come and make sure that makes them feel better that I'm doing my job right. For sure, for yeah. sure. And I think a lot of homeowners, they, they should be involved in the process a bit more. Where I work, there's tons of old permits that just get left because a client um, has hired someone and they say, okay, we're done. Give me my money. And then five years later, they go to sell the house and there's an open permit because they never called <laughs> for the last inspection. They can't sell the house. Well, they can sell the house if somebody wants to take on that burden, but who oh, really? wants to? Well, I mean... Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't. I thought it wasn't. I thought once it's an open permit left on a house, that you can't. Okay, I guess I can't say for sure. I I don't see why someone couldn't, but maybe there's something I don't know. There might be. I'm not surprised um, when it comes no, to that's real a, estate. No, that's a great question. What does a homeowner do if if uh, his his real estate agent or broker uh, wasn't or didn't find those open clauses in the contract when they were purchasing it? And then the homeowner gets stuck with that. How do you how do you close something like that? It depends on the permit that's open it and uh, what's left to do. So if the permit's 15 years old and there's been two inspections and we're talking about a, an addition that's completely finished, it's a little difficult because I need plans. It's not my responsibility to dig up old plans. It's it's your responsibility. If you've been living in it for 10, 15 years, that means. There's drywall, there's paint, there's trim. I might need to see behind all that to see what's in the walls. True. Even though you've been living there for a long time, it doesn't mean it was done correctly. Moving on. I like that. That was cool. <laughs> At Align Construction, Hardcore Rentals, perfect example. During the pandemic, the city told all builders that the pass to pass inspection and to move to the next phase, simply provide photos, a video, on-site report confirming work is done per specifications. Mm -hmm. So if it was okay now, why shouldn't it be in the future? Why not pay the architect engineer a little more in their fees and have the people who design and draw the details be the ones who approve it? Again, I can't speak for the municipalities, but it goes back to an earlier question. The, the government hasn't legislated that. So I think... Is there talk? Is there... Yeah, like I mentioned, they did talk about it this year, and I, I'm assuming last year as well. Uh, and it's not something that I believe they're looking into anymore. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, they, they looked into having engineers and architects being able to sign off on uh, certain stages of inspections without involving me. That doesn't seem like it's going to go forward. You're making a great point. Unfortunately, I could, I've been to a few cities around the world, mm -hmm. and Toronto isn't leading in a lot of things. Yeah. And, and I get a little upset, and I know we have a dinosaur across the table here. We need to get <laughs> more digital. Yeah, like yeah, we really sense. need to. And if there's a way that 
with Skype's technology, like, you know, FaceTiming, why not do it more digital where you guys, because of a pandemic, where we can't do it this way, where here, we're on site, we're by ourselves, we're keeping our social distancing, and here, I'm I'm letting you see through my camera, live feed what's going on in here, and you can clearly go and walk us through, listen, can you pan the camera to the side, can you go a little closer and do it that way so then we stay safe, but we can speed things up, save you guys some trouble, is that a possibility, or is that... I Too guess risky. it would depend on the municipality. Again, I don't, I don't work in Toronto, but uh, I mean, you worked in the movies, right? Yeah. If you look at a TV show, you're, there's going to be tons of stuff you don't even notice in the background, right? So if I ask somebody, hey, show me the railing, measure the gap between the spindles, lean on it a bit, maybe there's something in the background. Oh, I know. I'd, I'd, I'd develop a, a filter that would change that FaceTime and all of a sudden give you all everything that works out perfectly. <laughs> no, and that's, a great, and that's a great point. That's the I, truth. I don't... I, you know what? I think it was great that the, the ministry or the municipality has allowed this to happen while this epidemic was up. But I think coming back to this, if we're not going to get educated if these guys aren't coming out and catching other problems. Like when they're there looking at one permit, they might see something else that we would pass by and you might correct that for us and, and teach us something. That's what Mr. Smith was saying earlier where I, I actually encourage the extra set of eyes mm-hmm. yeah it's not a, it's not a bad idea i'm i mean like as a contractor you come onto the job site you are so aware of the job site that there could not be safety rails and you still exactly know where to walk and where to go and you won't trip and and every and all trades are like that but you get an inspector who's coming in fresh eyes take a look at the place they may see something that you haven't noticed in the last few weeks and that needs to be addressed yeah, so exactly. i encourage that so yeah exactly so and back to the original question the the legislation just it doesn't allow it i think Again, I can't speak for any specific municipality. I think that was more of a, a courtesy to deal with the situation going on. It's not a practice I like to do. Um, people always try and send me videos of a ball test of a drain, but uh, I, I don't know. I thought you were going to go somewhere else for that video. <laughs> hey, I was going to say, I got different, some competition over here. Yeah, different, different podcast, different podcast. <laughs> well, you got a point to say? Or got yeah, a, well, uh, I got, I got uh, four he, more questions. Here's a, here's a perfect example. I'm over at my buddy's house. He doesn't have a railing. His two kids go running to the staircase. They wipe out all the way down the staircase because there was no railing. Why doesn't he have a railing? Because there was no inspector to to approve it. (laughs) Okay, so now, Mr. Smith, just keep in mind that the next question here is... um, It's a question, (laughs) but uh, I didn't didn't ask it. So, at Procision, Procision asks... Don't get offended by this. Hey, inspector, do you really know what the expletive you're doing? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think I do. <laughs> uh, again, I mentioned before experience. Everybody's got to start somewhere. If you look in the building code, it talks about what the qualifications are for different people involved in construction. For my job, there's a handful of exams to write through the government. That's the minimum requirement. You can pass one inspection. You can inspect that type of stuff or utilize it in a different field. Each municipality might ask for architectural background, engineering background, so that's on them to decide who they want to hire. I guess it depends on um, the job demand and who's out there. I mean, I have experience in construction. Uh, I was a carpenter for you know, 12, 13 years. I think I have a pretty good grasp on residential construction. Again, the government sets up the minimum qualifications for the job. If someone comes into your site and you think they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Challenge them. Yeah, you can challenge them. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned you're not going to always have a good relationship after that. 
but it doesn't mean you can't speak up and say, hey, I think you're wrong. Like, can we talk about it? It doesn't have to be combative. I, I don't think we should be afraid of inspectors. I think we should invite them and, and accept yeah. them and work with them, like you said before. I just think that if you're passionate and you love what you do and you're in the right end of the industry where you're at and you really love your job, it's always going to show and it's going to reflect to everybody how passionate you are. Mm -hmm. If you just go to a job and it, it could be anybody being a police officer, being an inspector, being a contractor, you don't have any passion. You're going to look like an ass clown. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that all everybody else in that, in that division or that, that trade is an ass clown. Yeah. And I mean, I think education uh, helps too. I mean, you can do the best job possible, but if you don't know you're doing it wrong, uh, how are you ever going to fix it, right? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Uh, if we come to the site and we're both on the same page, I'm here to help you and you're here to help your client, uh, it should be win-win for everyone. I agree. I want to know, do you know who wrote that book? Uh, I think it's the Mun Ministry of Municipal Housing and Affairs, but no, any one person. No, no the exact people that wrote it. <laughs> it's no. the same guys that wrote the new gun bylaws. It's a whole bunch of don't, teenagers don't, coming no, out of high don't, school. Don't, 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 don't. This will never be a gun podcast, okay? <laughs> no, never, no. ever be. Next question. At New Way Contractors. My question would be, is there or why can't there be a point or rating system for general contractors that fail or pass inspections like the electrical contractors have with the ESA that would give us an incentive for the good trades and weed out wow, the bad trades? I and like I it. actually agree with that. Again, yeah, good question. That's uh, brilliant. It's something, again, like I said, the, the stuff we're dealing with is, is law. So it's not something legislated. I mean, there's lots of websites can't think of any off the top of my head where you'll have a company listed and people will come in and leave their reviews. I don't know how good that is because people erase them. <laughs> people <laughs> don't lie. Yeah, well, people lie. They don't always want to leave a review when they had a okay experience. It's either really good or really bad. And it comes down to what we were talking about before. When you see a business that says 25 years in business, it means that they've been doing something well for a long time. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It means they've been doing something for a long time. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm thinking that if you come in and everything's great on that first inspection, then you you arrive the second inspection, and I've got a plate of brownies. I uh, should get some brownie points. No? <laughs> and then just that's the whole point system. No, yeah, no, wouldn't that I, I wouldn't yeah, eat your yeah. brownies, bro. Banana bread? <laughs> no, no, I I don't. You I eat don't, my brand. I don't. You, I don't believe in eating at people's houses and with customers because they use that against you. But I made that dinner for you. <laughs> I gave you those cookies. That's a different podcast. <laughs> all right. Okay. Last series of questions. Uh, yeah, I think he's asking two questions here. At underscore Nathan Costa. I think he might be Portuguese. Get out of here. You're Portuguese. Can you hey, tell? Hey, Manny. Just saw your Manny Monday. Hey, look, he's a fan for this week. <laughs> FYI, love that you started these. There's a lot of praise here. Epa. <laughs> <laughs> I have some questions you can ask the inspector. I'm a railing installer, and I have done some work in TO, Toronto. My questions are, what are they looking for specifically when they inspect stairs and railing? Also, does a one-to-one -one ratio of single and double iron spindle pass code or is it a potential, this guy's like you, man, or is it a potential <laughs> ladder for young kids to climb on? You know what? That's actually, I've had these conversations before. So let's go back to what are they looking for specifically when it comes to the inspection of stairs and railings? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, so again, if we're just talking about homes, residential uh, part nine buildings, if you go to section nine of the building code. Again. You and Division B. <laughs> uh, so 9.8 is stairs, ramps, handrails, and guards. That should give you essentially everything you would need to know about 
stairs and railings. So when I go on site, I'm looking for gaps between the spindles being less than 100 millimeters, depending on where the railing is. Four inches? Uh, yeah, it's, it's just under. Well, it's just the, under. The building code is in metric, so we got to get away from uh, inches. But, you yeah. know, the U.S., I, I think that's where it comes from. All the products are from the States. I mean, I grew up using inches too, but so it, it gets annoying. People always ask me, what, what's 600 millimeters? I don't know. You do the conversion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're looking at the gaps between spindles, the height of the handrail, the how strong the handrails are and the guards, those types of things. I, I don't know what he was talking about, the ratio. Sorry. So yeah, that. that was the second part. So also does the one-to-one -one ratio of single and double iron spindles pass code? I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know is, what that is, a one-to-one -one ratio. Neither. Sorry, you can re-ask the question and maybe Manny can send uh, it to me. But. I think he's actually probably talking about with iron spindles, you can get closer, but if you put them closer than the 600 mil, sorry, what was it? 300? 100, 100, 100 mil. Sorry, 100 mil. It becomes a ladder for, I know that for kids, I know that the stair code changed I'm going to say less than 10 years ago, they increased the height of the railing and they decreased the spacing between the spindles because of children and also because of the elderly. Yeah. So when elderly were coming downstairs and they needed to grab something, that's why our railing system went higher. And then kids, you know, from those really intelligent parents decided to put their heads between spindles. They made them tighter. <laughs> so then their big heads wouldn't fit. And that's the reason why it changed that way. Yeah. But what it did was it made the spindles a climbing ladder apparatus for the kids to climb to the railing. If, if they're decorative, sure. I mean, there's a, again, in that same section, 9.8. So if you go to 9.8.8.6 called guards designed not to facilitate climbing, it does have, you know, a few sentences in there. And I guess it is slightly open to interpretation. It talks about there being no horizontal members between 140 millimeters and 900 millimeters above the floor or the walking surface. I know what he's talking about. Okay, great. On the iron spindles. You know the decorative little rosettes or the little spiral things that are in the middle? Okay. When you go to one-to-one, -one, all of a sudden they can become closer now and they literally do become a step now oh, for a I child. See. Okay. So I, mean, I guess the question is you guys will come in and interpret that as an infraction against the code. It could and, be. I and mean, you have to depends, remove those, right? It depends on the, uh, the the decoration and whatnot. So, True. And that's where some other questions came in where they're talking about different inspectors having, um, you know, their way of doing things. I'm sure this has been litigated a little bit, but it's the same thing. That's why there's lawyers. Like the law will say, don't do this. And lawyers will litigate it uh, saying, oh, we didn't do it we or we did, whatever. Uh, an inspector will come in and I don't want to think of a child being able to climb over the railing. If that changes in the future, great. But as for now, uh, it's not supposed to be climbable. I have a question. So for hang you. on a sec before that. I want to thank everybody for sending those questions in. Really appreciate and it. And I want to say that cost, Costco, Costco, Nathan Costa, he's oh, very passionate, very passionate guy. I like it. <laughs> Lots of questions. I like it. And uh, hang on. Do you hear that? <laughs> we just lost a listener. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask you is I have this problem all the time. Me and my wife will go for a walk and we'll be like looking that at people. That is people's. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking, we're looking at houses all the time. And as an inspector, I could pretty much out of 10 houses, go to eight houses and give it an infraction. Yeah. One, no railings for above 24 inches. Like Grandfathered. I see, no, no, but I see, but I see, you know, patios and they're higher than 24 inches. They need railings. I see a horizontal railings yeah, for kids to go. Member, yeah. That's illegal, Grand, but yet, but Grand, yet they're selling it. 
grandfather. And they're putting it in their house. Grandf- no, there's a lot of brand new stuff that's yeah. being done. Are and you, you saying, calling t- him a grandfather because he's old? Well, that I, would mean I he's was, my grandfather. I was too. taught by another inspector the moment you touch it and change it and move it to rebuild it, you have to apply the new rules now. Yeah, right. But I, what I'm saying is, a yeah. lot of this stuff is brand new. Yeah. Like I tell so, my wife all the time, I go, and, look at this guy. Like, how did he did get it, away with that? They did it without a permit. They did it without an inspection. I know, they, but there should be a sti- there should be some kind of. If I can't, if I can get a fine for being less than six feet, I think that, and I think that if my child was going to go visit someone else's kid and they climbed one of these railings and died. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's going to take to change this? I'm not sure. I mean, again, the, the building code is not retroactive. The building code act does have a big section on property standards where I work. It's not something that I personally look into, but I understand what you're saying. When I go and do my inspection and I give occupancy and then I close the permit, what they do after that is, is on them. Right. But, so, very true. but then why do I want to get a permit? Like I'm just pretending, I know, but you know, this for a fact that homeowners have changed what we've done after the permit's been closed. No, I know, but how does that encourage me to want to get a permit when I see all this Mickey Mouse work okay, look, and all this illegal you, work When you're doing the, the work, city. you're there. It's not your house. When you finish the work, you leave. It's not your house. You just can drive by it and you looked at it and you go, I did that house. But if they change something, if they, it's on them at that point. Mm-hmm. I know, but like... Let it go, man. Yeah, a, I mean, it makes sense. There should be some enforcement mechanism, but it's it's really difficult to put, like, we don't live in a police state yet so <laughs> no I mean, yeah i like how you said that though it's so coming it, it's hard to monitor every single thing that everybody does but yeah once i leave the site the permits are closed if somebody changes something afterwards uh you know it's not on me i can't uh, i can't go back into someone's home and and check everything once the permit's closed right let's get into some nitty-gritty now that the Ooh. questions are all done yeah that was great manny that I'm, was amazing i'm, I liked I'm really i'm really impressed that people actually wrote in and, and asked those questions pretty people cool. are listening man People are listening. <laughs> I want to ask a dozen questions. Then go ahead, uh, start asking questions. I'm why, not surprised. Why, why is it that <laughs> if you come on site, everyone throws their helmet on? Do we have I to don't, have our? I actually do we, don't. I don't. If is this I your the, question or mine? Hang on a sec. <laughs> I'm answering your question now. All right, perfect. Go ahead. It's the same thing with this podcast. If our guest begins to uh, express profanity, then we join in. If I see an inspector <laughs> arrive on the job site and he's got his helmet under his arm. Then I leave it under my. I know, arm. but it, the thing is, you're training your guys not to be safe. Uh, no, 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 we can argue this. So, all you are. are you saying uh, that there's places to break the laws? Do you speed? Of course, I speed. Thank you very much. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. I'm saying my hard hat's there, my shoes are there, everything's there. Is all I'm saying. So if the inspector walks in and they don't have it, I'm assuming your office is every inspector has to walk on a job site with yeah, the exactly. helmet on. I have. Uh, well, I mean, it's required by the green book, right? Like yes. every construction worker is supposed to have a hard hat. You're supposed to have your steel toe. Oh, boots. we know the green book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah, I have a hard hat. I have steel toe boots. I have a vest if necessary. I have glasses if necessary. Um, again, it's not the safety's not something I enforce. Somebody's not wearing their hard hat when I come on the site. I don't usually say something. It's not because I don't care about them. It's if they're not doing anything unsafe, it's not necessarily my place to, you know, push them. I, you know, I could say something, but I have no actual authority to tell them to put I'm, the hard hat on. I am so disappointed because this is this was the only way I, without kicking the contractors on my site or my employees off of site. This was my only way of putting fear mongering onto them and saying, guys, you got to put your helmet on. Inspector's coming. <laughs> and everyone would wear their helmet. You yeah. know what I mean? So I have the power to enforce the building code, the building code act. 
applicable laws. I don't enforce the green book, right? So I could ask someone nicely to put it on, but I have no actual power to make them put it on. Why is it that the building inspector has no power or interest over the electrical inspector and vice versa? Mm-hmm. I've actually had an electrical inspector say, I don't care what they think or say or, or do. Yeah, I've heard all, that I, I'm only yeah. here to look at cable and how it's yeah. all done, right? I haven't had a building inspector say, they've only said, well, that's part of the electrical safety authority, mm-hmm. so that's under their code. We don't look at that. Yeah. I mean, why, why is there that division, that line? I mean, again, I, I, I can't speak for anybody but myself. They're different, uh, they're different departments. The ESA, I, I believe it's Ontario uh, yeah. sort of um, sect. Uh, we're usually done by the municipality. There's nothing that tells us we need to communicate. Um, there's building codes uh, that talk about you know, lighting being required, where switches need to be, things like that. But it doesn't talk about how it's all wired up. There's nothing telling us that we need to speak with the ESA. Can you legally shut down a site? Can I shut down a site? Like if you come on site and you don't like the attitude of a guy and you don't, I mean, you don't like the site and you don't see that he's conforming to the the drawings or whatever else, can you just shut him down? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. Um, Only the Ministry of Labor can do that. They can do, so the Ministry of Labor, they deal with worker safety, right? So they come, and this is my opinion, I may, <laughs> may be mistaken, but when they come to a site, their sole concern is worker safety. If they see guys working and there's no guardrails, it, it may seem like they're being, uh, you know, a dick or something, but they're trying to look out for your safety. For me, when I come to a site, I enforce the building code. There are orders I can issue that would almost shut the site down, but it's in a different way. There's unsafe orders and there's an emergency orders. To the best of my knowledge, I, I personally cannot issue an emergency order. The uh, chief building official would have to do that, but I could initiate it. So if there's a building being demolished on Friday, Friday afternoon, everyone's going home and there's now a 40 foot tall wall next to a public street that's not really structurally sound and I get a call, I can go to the site and say, you know, take a look and be like, oh my gosh, this is a big safety concern and impose either an unsafe order or an emergency order. And then there's stipulations with that as well. So no, I don't have the same type of power to shut a site down like a safety guy can, but I have that power. It doesn't happen often, but it's possible. Yeah. One of the things uh, has been said to me a few times is, you know, something's changed in the zoning and I wasn't aware of it. They always say, well, it's your responsibility to educate yourself and constantly go online and update all these new. It is your responsibility. Okay. Now for, for the listeners out there. No, good point, and, good and, point Carlito. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I'm leading to is what do you do and how do you find that if you want to update yourself? Because a lot of people don't realize that these are things that you have to do. And that's what I'm leading to is like contractors just don't think that they have to find the new zoning laws. They think that their engineer or their architect should have had that in the stipulations or in their drawing. And all they want to do is just follow that. Well, that's because you're often relying on designers, engineers to educate you and other things, right? They give you the drawings and they say, you know, build the, build it like this, do that. The zoning bylaws are imposed by the municipalities, right? and you mentioned engineers and architects, you're wanting them to give you that information. They're the ones who give you most of the other information. They say build the building this high or the lintel needs to be this size. So that's why you're, you know, you're getting that information from them, but you should educate yourself on the zoning bylaws. The problem is a lot of places have so many zoning bylaws and they have different areas of the city. It's really hard to 
know what zoning bylaws apply to your project and what don't. You rely on those designers and stuff who have a bit more experience with that. That's part of the process, right? They, someone will look at your submitted plans and they will review it for zoning bylaw compliance and building code compliance. That goes back to, listen, don't be a disrespectful contractor because a designer, an inspector, an architect, an engineer, right? They can actually give you some valuable information. Or another mm-hmm. contractor. Or another contractor or a sub-trade or a supplier or anybody. So it's like, why not build your circle of construction? And then, so if you do have a question, that's how I got started in the very first year of construction. I, Funny enough is I was at Mississauga Hardware and I was looking for a specific detail for a, a bolt or something. And someone okay. there overheard my conversation and made a suggestion. And then I went to that place and I got it. Mm-hmm. I would never have found that unless I spoke up at that particular moment in a circle of construction. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good story. I mean, the, the times are changing, right? If you ask a question now, hopefully somebody that you're asking the question to, they'll be willing to help you. Uh, back, you maybe, you know, I'm not that old, but back maybe 30 years ago, you ask a question, someone's going to slap you in the face and tell you why you're asking such a stupid question, right? Exactly. So, you, are you Croatian? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I was going to ask you, do you guys ever get involved with the national code? No. It, it's not, it has nothing to do with the Ontario building code. Not that I've dealt with. No, no, we use the Ontario Building Code. It's based off of the national code. The same things apply. Like the federal government will say this is the minimum law on this specific thing. And then sometimes the provinces will say something slightly different. Like the drinking age is different in one province to the next, right? We've all been to Quebec. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So no, I I don't deal with the national building code, but the Ontario Building Code does adopt majority of its things from that. I found it strange that obviously BC has got a different code in Ontario and then everybody's yeah. all different, right? Well, so there's I, different climates too. Yeah. Right? I was going to also ask you if you come to, okay, here, here's another You're thing. starting to sound like me. There's a lot of questions <laughs> after questions. I've got, lo- I've got lots of questions and we just got to get to them and I'm just trying to figure out. Without, I guess we don't, because Mr. Smith, you, you work in a certain part of a major city. Mm-hmm. How many permits are allocated per inspector? How many do you have to look at? You don't have to ask my bosses. <laughs> they, they, I have an area in uh, the city I work in, uh, whatever permits come in and in that area that I deal with. So at some point they've gone through the numbers and said, this area has X amount of permits per year. We believe an inspector could handle that. And then it moves slightly up and down depending on the workload. So I don't have any numbers to reflect. But so at any given time, like right now, how many different permits are you looking at on a daily, daily basis? Yeah. It's always different. <laughs> I Is could, it? I could go to 12 sites one day. Oh, really? That I many, could, huh? Or I could go to three the, the next, but it gives me more time to catch up on things that I didn't have time to do the other day. Yeah, the public supplies me with my workload, so... Hopefully the municipality is keeping track of the workload that is predicted to come in and they'll hire accordingly. Is it true that you guys get free parking? <laughs> Not where I work. Um, <laughs> no. no, but I've seen a building inspector in a different part of our city and he had a sign on his windshield that said building inspector free okay. parking or some um, shit like that. And I'm he must like, have been Portuguese. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, where I work, I have, a, I have a city vehicle, so they'll know who's driving it. And if I'm parking poorly, that you know it'll reflect poorly on me. So. Got it. So you do have to park. But, <laughs> Got but you know what? I want to say something. You know, uh, We're picking on inspectors. Now we can pick on parking guys. There's good parking guys and there's bad parking guys. Sure. They know you're a cop. They know you work for the city. They know you work for, say, Toronto Hydro. 
Why would you give them a ticket just to make your numbers? Maybe have them on the next podcast. <laughs> Again, not the podcast, man. <laughs> Is it true that if you go visit a permit and you walk in, but peripherally on the corner of your eye or something, you see another job site and it doesn't smell like a permit job site, are you allowed to step foot on that job site? You want the real answer? I want the real answer. <laughs> yeah, for sure I want well, the real answer. Well, can we have the both of the answers? The one that like <laughs> No, I want the real answer. I don't No, I don't... because I I've, I've heard that you cannot if you don't answer the door, they cannot come in. <laughs> well, I, I definitely can't bust your door down to no, come in. No, no, I heard that like if they knock and they say, they "Hey, I want to come in and take a look request. at your site." Yeah, I mean, the building code act gives me some power. So, <laughs> if I went to a site, I saw a job next door, that I thought maybe didn't have a permit. One, I have access to the city documents. So I can just look up 1234 Main Street and see there's no permits, but they're pouring foundation in the backyard. Yeah, that would be a good start. But if you look on the Building Code Act, here's some really boring stuff. No, this is no, the good stuff. not boring to us, man. This so, is treasure. Yeah, yeah. So the Building Code Act is the actual like, legislation. And then, like I said, the building code, all the parts that you are familiar with, that's the regulation under that act. Section 12 of the Building Code Act says, an inspector may enter upon land and into buildings at any reasonable time without a warrant for the purpose of inspecting the building or site to determine whether or not the following are being complied with. Following is wow. this, this act, the Building Code Act, the building code, which is the regulation that I just mentioned, and an order made under this act. Can you guys figure out one exception to that? When, when, when couldn't I walk onto someone's site? If there's a pandemic or something, <laughs> I don't no, know. It, Wait a second. The only time you can't come on is if there's a permit. <laughs> no, no, the no, only no. time that you can't come on is if you're the homeowner and you're doing the work. If it's a dwelling unit, I can't barge into anybody's dwelling unit. If someone's actually living there, I can't just bust. I can't just come in whenever I like because that's oh, that's but crazy. if it's a construction site, if it's a construction site, then yeah, you can. I could. It says any reasonable time. Hmm. It depends on who you're dealing with. Like if you're, if I come in and you say. What the hell are you doing? Get the hell out of here. I'm probably going to leave. It's just going to cause a confrontation. And I'll come back later when maybe things have cooled down. But With four or five other guys <laughs> from different parts of the ministry. Yeah, the, the ministry, safety, whatever, you know? Well, I mean, if, if, the, if it's necessary, I can come with another inspector. If I feel my safety is, you know, at risk, I have a hostile contractor. That it doesn't happen often, but sometimes it's good to have a second set of eyes uh, watching your back. I do think <laughs> that the stereotype of the rough-and-tumble a-hole contractor has died down. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't revolve or I don't have that kind of association. So I don't see any of that. I only hear stories of it, but I don't really believe oh, it true. because some of the toughest guys I know are actually pretty intelligent to shut their mouth mm -hmm. when, you know, when not to speak and when to speak. If you're stupid enough to say something dumb to an inspector, I mean, you shouldn't even be on that site anymore, yeah. man. I mean, these again, these are my opinions and stuff. Uh, I'm just a person too. Like, I should be showing you respect too. Uh, I know that may not always be the case. An inspector comes on site and they're the ones saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, fix that. There should be a, a, a bit of respect going both ways, right? Well, people have bad days too, just because someone's a dick to you doesn't mean it's because of you. It just yeah. means they might have had a, a bad day. Can you give fines or tickets to anybody? Yeah, yeah, I can. Absolutely. So uh, I'm technically what's called a provincial offenses officer. If you get an order from me and you don't comply with it and I let you know, hey, you got to comply with this order and you still don't do it, I'll send it to the legal department and then you'll go to court and you'll deal with it in court. What kind of orders are we talking about here? What like, are it's, so it's called the stop order. work order. 
Well, that, that's one of them. So just an, a generic order to comply. It's a document from the building code, and it's the same across the province. If you built the house and all of the lintels were undersized according to the plans, I'd say, hey, you got to fix it, and I may put it into an order to comply. And it's an official document to inform you that you're not complying with the building told, code. Yeah. And this is an official way for me to tell you, fix this by this date. If not, I may pursue legal action. Because there's a whole Whoa. section on offenses in the Building Code Act. Not complying with the Building Code Act or the regulation can be an offense, and there could be yeah, financial penalties for it. What are some of the small, like what are the little things that us contractors are always doing? Well, I haven't been to either of your guys' sites, so I can't uh, nope, talk about it. we've never recognized it. We never, we never oh, met. Wait, well, let, let, wait, wait a second. If you come to our site, if you come to Manny's, you'll get a cappuccino. Oh, you'll, you'll espresso. Be, you, uh, espresso. Uh, you'll be welcomed with a red carpet. Oh, okay. Fantastic. That sounds nice. I got to get a job in Toronto. Um, Speaking of which, that brings up a really good point. But oh, hang on a sec. You could, what was my question? I don't know. What was your question? <laughs> I just forgot. To. <laughs> I totally forgot. That's fine. Uh, speaking of which, I heard and seen some bribing situations with inspectors. Okay. Uh, how do um, we ask this? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and Don Cherry appears. <laughs> I'm just saying that this particular inspector was pretty clever on how if something happened to arrive in his vehicle, his unlocked vehicle. Like a chicken? You can't a hand. Ch- don't hand him anything. <laughs> Just it's placed in his possession. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I mean, a bottle of expensive <laughs> something, something cognac, <laughs> something, something, some uh, Cuban cigars. Well, I mean, again, every industry will have something like that. Maybe you offer something to a police officer to leave you alone. I, I keep going back to that. Sorry, <laughs> but, <laughs> to uh, the cops. Um, I've had it lots of times where people try and give me stuff, and they're like, "No, no, it's just a gift. It's just a gift." And well, the person across the street watching you give it to me doesn't know it's just a gift, right? <laughs> so, no, but you make a good point. Like in construction, when when you're creating these relationships around Christmas or special, yeah, I've seen- I'd be uncomfortable giving an inspector a gift. Really? Yes, I would, because I think that it would be. Misunderstood. Okay, so, so I worked I worked for the city mm-hmm. and we built a rapport up with many inspectors from different different areas. Like this, you know, there's different contracting inspectors that come mm-hmm. to overview city jobs. When we built that rep with these guys, and most guys thought that these guys were assholes, they loved coming to our site because we were always on the ball. Mm-hmm. And then we had this great relationship, and you know, they would sometimes like get sausages from the guys or not that kind of sausage. (laughs) (laughs) I said the wrong word. (laughs) If I would have said meat, it would have came out the same way too. (laughs) Hey, come on. It's Portuguese. It's sausage. (laughs) No, I don't know how you run your business, but uh, no, I I get offered stuff around Christmas is usually when it happens. And people generally are trying to do a nice thing. They're saying, Hey, thanks for coming by. Here's a gift card. It's very nice. But I'm not a tile contractor. I'm not a roofer. You're, you're not thanking me for doing a good job. I work for the city. The permits that come in, they pay my wage, not, the, not necessarily the property taxes, but it's public money generally that's paying my wage. So it's, it's inappropriate to take a bribe. Uh, if somebody does it, that's, that's up to them. I, I like my job more than a bottle of liquor. So. But, but a bribe would be that you're doing something illegal. And if you're not doing something illegal, it wouldn't matter if you that's took that. That's why it's misunderstood. 
understood. Yeah, if, someone's, if I'm standing on the front porch of a house and somebody hands me an envelope and, uh, you know, the neighbor across the street is watching, they don't know what's in that envelope. They don't know if it's just a thank you card or a thousand bucks. They don't know. They say, hey, I saw a city official getting handed an envelope. It looked a little fishy. And I don't personally want to be in that position. I just thank people, you know, oh, thank you very much. Maybe you give this to one of your workers or something. You know. Do you get a lot of homeowners running their jobs and then they have to deal with you? Uh, not a lot. Uh, How is that experience? It's not good. <laughs> because I guess with the rules is that it's the king of the castle rule. Yeah. As long as it's their dwelling, they could pretty much do whatever they want as long as it meets the code, right? Yeah. Again, like we talked about the sections in the building code being acceptable solutions, right? Yeah. Nobody has to hire a general contractor if nope. they don't want to. It's just you're paying for their knowledge, their connections, their experience. Those are things that make you guys valuable. So when a homeowner comes on... Say it again one more time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you really get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I, I worked in the field. Like, I, I understand a bit that, you know, you guys are worth a bit of money. You know, designers come don't, on... Don't tell anyone that. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, designers charge a lot. Architects, engineers, they all are educated to a different degree. You guys are educated too. You're educated on site, right? So you might perfect your trade over 15 years. Boom, now you're, you're an expert, you're a professional. Somebody should pay you for that, right? When a homeowner tries to do the job themselves, they don't have that experience. They're going to try and save themselves money. And I'm sure it happens all the time where they try and do it and they get stuck. They don't know what to do. And then they have to hire someone else and it costs them the same money or more. More. I don't know. There's nothing, there's nothing that says they have to hire a contractor, right? They probably should do themselves a favor and, and hire a general contractor. What are some of the fines that you have handed out? You're always about money and death and Hey, man, we've got inspectors here. This is the good stuff. <laughs> so This I, isn't theory. This is real. <laughs> I, uh, I personally haven't given out any. So there's two different types of penalties you can face. There's, again, Provincial Offenses Act. If you're looking at it, there's Part 1 Offenses. Those are tickets. Those are like... Uh, is that another book? <laughs> it's many? another piece of legislation. Oh, okay. Wow. It's not... I didn't bring that. That's like a ticket. Like, I can write up a ticket on the spot. Here's your ticket. You know, 500 bucks, whatever. But I have issued orders, order to comply, that people haven't complied with. I've followed up on it, and they still haven't complied. So I have no choice but to send it to court. It goes to Provincial Offenses Court, and you sit in front of a Justice of the Peace, and you... That's are, always fun. You argue your case, or you uh, talk to the prosecutor, and you plea out, and you pay whatever your agreed amount to find it is. It really depends on what, what the offense is. That, that would be in the prosecutor's hands to, um, when they deal actually with the, the amount of penalty you're facing. Trust me, as a contractor, you don't want to spend time in court. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't go, you don't go into court once and then pay a fine and then leave. Oh, no, it's not, and it's <laughs> not like the movies, man. So I have a friend right now um, in the city of Mississauga. You've got a lot of friends. Dumb, eh? dumb. I have a lot of friends. He had a point load inspected by the city of Mississauga. He still hasn't finished his project, so... He sent me some pictures and he said, hey, man, what the hell is this? And I'm like, are you taking that apart? And he goes, no, my contractor just built that and the city just passed it. And I'm like, no way. You better call your engineer right now and get on the horn with the city. So the city inspector came in, didn't even look at the, the point load. This is carrying a two-story house. It's mm -hmm. in the basement. It's where all the beams should have met. What kind of trouble can an inspector get into if he's missing such an important things like that 
And how, how does that affect us as homeowners? Like my friend's afraid to approach the city right now and charge them for waste of time, material, dealing with this bullshit. Charge them for waste of time? That's an well, actual offense? Because, well, because <laughs> it's been passed and then he's closed a whole bunch of other things around it. And then from the top, you can obviously see that it's it's wrong. They want to charge him for repairs. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. and and how does that affect him with his relationship with that inspector? Because does that inspector get to stay on that job when he's made such a big mistake? Again, I can't. I can talk about my own opinion. Obviously, I can't talk about each municipality. To my understanding, the liability doesn't personally come on the inspector themselves. It would come onto the city. They're providing the service of checking uh, that things are compliant with the building code. If they miss something, uh, I something guess... Something that serious? Like uh, it loads? Sounds, it sounds like a problem, right? So there's lots of times where the cities uh, get sued by people, right? It makes sense. You're The city's providing a service that's actually required for, for you to obtain. And if they're not giving you that the full service, it makes sense that you could try and recoup some of your costs. The problem is, myself as a, an inspector, I'm not there to check every single little thing you can't right? no I but can't. if you were there for that particular sure, uh, situation I mean, or item yeah as a homeowner if i don't like you as an inspector or <laughs> i don't like that you've passed something that is unsafe and now i don't feel i don't feel comfortable with you anymore and that's your zone can i call the city and request another inspector because mm. I've now got someone that's incompetent or not paying attention to fine detail. My family's in there. I've got three or four kids, my, mm -hmm. you know, a handicapped grandmother. Not making a situation here. Uh, <laughs> you, got, you got a full house. I don't have any of those. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm leading but, to. But the point can is, I, can, can I call you? the city up and just say, hey, listen, not for anything, but this guy just missed a major problem in my home. Mm -hmm. And he was allowing this to pass. And who knows what would have happened in the potential future. I want this guy off my site and I want a new guy. Can I do that? You can do that. Whether anything happens from it is up to the municipality and who you speak and then, to. And then, you're, then you have this new relationship with exactly. this idiot. So it's... <laughs> why, so why do that? I'm trying to get... Why not communicate with him when he returns and go, listen, this wasn't... So my friend has done that, but he feels so uncomfortable that it may prolong his renovation. He may build a bad relationship, even though it's not his mm -hmm. responsibility or his fault that he would have to go report this. He's afraid to do that right now. He's dealing with the engineer dealing with it and, and they've they're rectified it. He's had to pay extra money for it. He is going to deal with the city at the end of the project. I'd love to see him get a new inspector because this yeah. guy has just cost him way too I, much I'm money. I'm sure the time. city has a form that you could apply <laughs> and whether it gets processed, processed for your Bostonians. Well, <laughs> I, that's why I'm asking him because he's the fax man. Again, it would depend on the municipality. So that's like, I'm the guy who gets told where to go. I'm not the guy who makes those decisions. Like people tell you where to go. <laughs> no, no. Um, it really, you can bring those concerns up, but yeah, you are going to have maybe a poor relationship afterwards, but you're absolutely, you could raise those concerns. If you complain about any particular person at a different establishment or a different kind of industry, something might not happen. Something might, it depends really. Yeah, I have no power. If you call and complain about me, I'll be a little upset, but if I'm told to go there, I'm still going to show up. But yeah, I, I don't know. You'd have to talk to somebody who has a bit more decision-making power. I got a question that's going to upset Carlito. Uh -oh. <laughs> Do you guys get invited to TV rental shows and inspect those jobs? All the time. <laughs> Do they? Yeah. I'm asking the legitimate person. Oh, here, here we oh. go. 
Um, it's on. Uh, where I work, I don't see too many TV shows happening. Um, but I mean, if if they're doing work that requires a permit, I don't see why an inspector would wouldn't be. Inspecting. They're probably not going to be on the show. We, we've never we've never got away with anything. If anything, when I was on TV, we were actually. If anything, the inspectors were looking to find something oh, so they sure. could brag about it and say, uh, I just screwed him. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> no, no. The problem is if you have a TV show, uh, how many people are watching your show? I don't know. Probably more than 10 or 12. All those Definitely. people are watching and they say, hey, that doesn't look right. Yes. And they, what, what inspector and pass that? So I, I would imagine, yeah, somebody might want to be a little more diligent on a site like that because now you're going to have 100 a thousand, ten thousand people. Yeah, but I think it. now I think that's the wrong attitude. I think that that yeah. should be the same across <laughs> the whole board, no matter what, right? You're, you're TV right. Absolutely. or not? You're, no, no, you're absolutely right, and that's probably not the attitude you should have. But you mentioned that some yeah, people right. can be a bit more uh, hard on those sites, and it kind of makes sense. Uh, no, but I see people turn it up. Like I could see some guys don't like certain characters, and they want to put the finger in there. You know? <laughs> well, huh? Did I, I say something. that right? Oh, oh God! Not in there. <laughs> I'm always amazed on certain phrases. You know what? I can't say anything words. around you. You turn it into like this <laughs> that craziness. Are, that are <laughs> you know what? Expressed. You're sitting a little too close to me. Uh, <laughs> well, it looks like about seven feet. <laughs> Wait, can I touch you with the finger? Eat the no, go home. I'm not using any of this, man. <laughs> okay, no, there's still a world of stuff that I want to talk about. Sure. So I want to just uh, wrap this one up and take a pause, and then we'll get going on the second one. We'll take a little breather. Sure. But this has been wait, very... Wait a second. What? We, we didn't do Building Code Talk because this whole show okay. is really about Building Code Talk. Oh, Skylux, he's got cameras here. <laughs> <laughs> I never, and we never did Green Book. You okay. want to do Green Book? No, 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 no. Okay, that's fine. That's great. If you want to do Green Book, no, we can I'd do Green Book. No, I'd love him to do one. I don't know the Green Book. Oh, no, okay. that's okay. not his deal. <laughs> All right. You want to do a Green Book right now? No, we'll now? do it in the next one. We'll do it in the next one, yeah. Green Book, right? Mr. Smith. <laughs> I'm waiting for which one of us is going to slip it up, uh, but we're not. Thank you very much, Mr. Smith. So we, we, we're going to take a little pause. <laughs> we got to take a little pause because there's so much more that we have to still discuss. Sure. I want to get right into the whole building code and get into inspection, get into all this stuff. This has been amazing so far. Let's take a little pause. Carlito, get us out of here. I figure I'd switch it up with Mr. Smith. <laughs> T.O. baby, we're out of here. 